This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back for another wonderful week of the power of the Parsha. Thank you all for coming. I appreciate you for being here. I appreciate the amazing staff at Yeshiva Beth Yehudah and Partners Detroit for setting up such a beautiful lunch and learn. And I thank the amazing folk over at Torah Anytime. It's an app. It's a website. It's filled with countless hours of incredible Torah knowledge. Make your way on down to www.torahanytime.com. Download a class. Listen to a class. Peruse the incredible catalog of classes and increase your knowledge exponentially. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, this week, oh, our learning this week should be a zechus for the Refua Shalema of Lifsha Bas Miriam. Lifsha Bas Miriam should have a Refua Shalema. Okay, and also, I'm sorry, um, one more name. Um, um, someone else, here we go. Yeah, someone keeps sending me an email from her, like from her text messages. I don't know. It's it's hard for me to pick up. Yeah, I want to Baruch Chaim Ben Michla. There we go. Also, Rafur Shlema for Baruch Chaim Ben Michla. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, this week's parsha is we're going to be focused pretty much entirely on one topic this week. This week, Parshas Chayesara is a big week for Shiduchim. Okay, Shiduchim is the engagement in and the uh, endeavor of trying to find the right match for oneself or working on it for helping another person help their proper shidduch. <coughs> the reason why it's so fundamental, and the reason why this year, every year around the world, they have many singles events, there are many programs, because in this week's Parsha we see the story of Avram and Sarah searching out the proper shidduch for their son Yitzchak. Through actually, actually, no, no, not Avram and Sarah. I'm sorry, Sarah was dead. Sarah had passed away, and then Avram sets about finding a shidduch for his son uh, Yitzchak through the engagement of the services of a shadchan known as Eliezer. Eliezer goes out, and Eliezer finds the appropriate shidduch for Yitzchak, a wonderful young woman known as Rivka, who later becomes the second of our four matriarchs. So I want to focus this entire week, and again, around the world, this is really a week in which they have all kinds of singles events and programs, and I want to talk about Shiduchim, specifically the idea of this concept that we have a a basharet, and that there's somebody specifically for us, and whether a person is single and still hoping to find somebody, or a person is hoping that their grandchildren will find the right people, or wherever you are in life, this is a very, very important topic. (coughs) Interestingly enough, there is a Talmudic passage that says that when we get up to heaven, they're going to ask us a whole slew of questions. One of the questions they're going to ask us is, Asakta Papiria Verivia. Were you engaged in the fruitfulness of the world, in, in, in propagating the world? Okay, so they're going to ask, that's one of the questions they're going to ask you when you get to heaven. So just by the way, you got the cheat sheet over here, okay? When you get to heaven, they're going to say to you, were you involved in filling the world? Now there's many ways that one can fill the world. Obviously, the most basic understanding of the mitzvah of Periverivia, the most basic understanding of the mitzvah of be fruitful and multiply is to... Be fruitful and multiply, right? Have children, which by the way, as our society gets successively more and more secular, 
we see that the, the trends are going towards less and less children. In societies, and again, really, you look around the world, the more religious a country is, and I'm talking about any religion, the more religious a country is, generally speaking, the more children they have, whatever religion it is, and the more secular they become, they move more and more away from childhood, from, from child rearing and child bearing. There are countries today in Europe, and Italy, I'm looking at you, Okay? Italy, I'm looking at you. No, I'm kidding. I am looking at Italy. Italy's the worst of the worst. Italy, the replacement rate, okay, in order to keep a society stable, you need 2.2 children per woman. Right? Because it's about 50% women in the world, 50% men, right? So for each woman, you would think it would be two just to replace the two that you're taking the place of. But no, it's actually 2.2, because many women will not have the opportunity to give birth. Either they'll die before they have the opportunity, or whatever it might be. They won't have the ability to give birth. So if you want, a, the sociologists tell us that if you want a society just to replace itself, not to grow, not a growing society, you want society to replace itself, you need each woman to have 2.2 children. Generally, the way you're supposed to do it is you have five women to get together, and they all pull straws. Whoever pulls the short straw has to have a third child. This way, five women, 11 children, everyone has exactly 2.2. Now, this, right now, in Italy, the average native Italian woman is having how many children? 0.69. Which means that three ch- women get together and whoever pulls the short straw has one child. Sorry, no, no, two people, two people pull the short straw and they have to have two children amongst three women. That means that the society is facing collapse. Now, the world, I don't know if you guys know this, but, but the world hit a big milestone this week. You guys know what that is? Eight billion people. So the world just hit a major milestone. We just hit eight billion people. But that eight billion people is not being grown in secular societies. It's really mostly the, the, the growth of the world population is happening in religious worlds, secular worlds, which are more focused generally, they give less charity. Secular people, generally speaking, give less charity. There's less of a sense of responsibility for the world, a responsibility for the world around me, and less of a sense of the requirement to do good and having children. Well, in the short term, it's not a very easy thing, right? It's a lot of work. Someone, one of my, one of my uh, sister-in-laws posted on the family WhatsApp chat, like a little video of, uh, of one of her kids joking around, and her kid was saying, come on, mommy, come on, mommy, they're having a buy one, get one free for children. <laughs> I said, let me tell you, there's never a buy one, get one free for children. It's more like buy now, pay later. <laughs> so the world... Is right now, actually, again, it's fascinating. The, sec- the more religious world is growing, the more secular world is absolutely shrinking. In Russia, in Australia, places like that, they pay people to have children. They they're desperately want people to have more children. But when you raise people with the sense that the most important thing is your own personal happiness, then why should I have a child? It's going to lower my personal happiness. Now, of course, if you have a long-term vision, you know that your personal happiness in the long run is going to be much greater through having children. But as you can tell by people's spending habits and saving habits, which, by the way, right now, in this country, we are facing super, super, super record lows of personal savings in our bank accounts, and we're facing super record highs of credit card debt, 
which means that we are in some big trouble. People are thinking about the here and now. I'm not blaming everybody. Some people are just trying to survive. But a lot of people are buying things. Like yesterday, I went to, I went to Rite Aid last night. Okay? The guy behind the counter at Rite Aid had an iPhone Pro 14. Okay? Now, an iPhone Pro 14, the actual phone itself is about, probably about a $1,200 phone. Okay? Now, of course, you can get it with a discount. You get it with this. There's all kinds of things you can... But you, you, you're not getting it for free. That much I can assure you. No one is giving out $1,400 phones for free. Or $1,200 phones for free. They lock you in a contract for three years, and you've got to pay X amount every month for the next three years. I'm thinking, like, I don't know what they're paying at Rite Aid these days. I don't imagine they're paying 40 bucks an hour. Now, that's, that person could have had an iPhone regular, right? Which costs an iPhone SE, it costs five, that you can actually get for free probably. You get a year old one, and they'll give it to you for free if you sign up for a new line. I'm thinking like, I don't know what world we're living in where a 20 year old kid behind the counter thinks he needs, he needs a $1,200 or $1,400 phone. So we're not living in a society that's thinking very, very deep into the future. Record credit card debt, record low personal savings, many, many tens of millions of people who are of working age, who are electing not to work, we're, we're not looking at a society that's living in a very, very responsible way. But when you get to heaven, they're going to say to you, did you take the world into account? Asakta Bipiria Verivia, were you involved in propagating the world? Now, like we said, the easiest way to fulfill the obligation to be fruitful and multiply is to be fruitful and multiply. However, there are many other ways. If for, for whatever reason one was unable to have children... A person could be involved in A, organizations that help people with fertility challenges. B, helping other people get married. Maybe someone, for whatever reason, did not get married, but they can be involved in shiduchim and trying to help other people to get married. For example, the Chazonish. Listen to this amazing story. The Chazonish was one of the greatest leaders of the past century, of the 1900s. Okay? Chazonish lived in Israel at the end of his life. He was from Europe, I believe, in the beginning of his life, but he ended up living out the last many decades of his life in Israel. He was considered to be the greatest leader. Now, he never had any children. He never was blessed with children. Neither was the Lubavitcher Rebbe, right? Neither were many people. But the Chazonish was extraordinarily involved in Shiduchim, in helping Shiduchim. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, there's an incredible story about the Chazonish. The Chazonish was... Let me see if I can find this on... Um, the Chazonish... No, that's the wrong one. Yeah, the Chazonish, at the end of his life, someone came to him, and he said... Um, I want to find this. Here we go. I just want to find the actual name so you know that I'm not making it up. Okay, so the Chazonish had somebody come visit him, a man named Rav Yaakov Shechter. Rav Yaakov Shechter came to the Chazonish and he said, look, I've got a daughter, I'm very much interested in trying to find a right kind of boy for my daughter, a serious boy, a boy who's learning Torah, a boy who's growing, whatever it is. And they had a conversation about it, and the Chazonish said, because again, the Chazonish was very involved in helping people find Shaduchim, he said, how about the Eloy from London? The word Eloy means like the genius. How about the genius from London? Have you looked into him? So he said, no, but they started getting into conversation. He's a good boy, whatever. 
The Chazonish never gave the name of the genius from London over. And it was a Friday afternoon, and people came, they had to get ready for Shabbos, so the conversation ended up stopping. That Friday night, the Chazanish passed away. That, Chazanish, the Chazanish, that Friday night, the Chazanish passed away. But the father said, the Chazanish was recommending somebody for my daughter. I've got to find the genius from London. So, even already at the Levaya, at the funeral for the Chazanish, the, this man was going around asking everybody, does anybody know who is the genius from London? And eventually they, someone pointed to him, that, that tall, thin boy in the corner over there. So Rav Yaakov Schechter went over to that tall, thin boy, and he said, I know this is a weird time, but I was speaking to the Chazonish on Friday, and the Chazonish, while he was still alive, the last day of his life, he had thought that you might be a good shidduch for my daughter. To which the boy, the genius from London, said, Yes, 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 I know, the Chazon Ish, on the last day of his life, he tried to call, he called all the way to London to try to find me, and I ended up speaking to him, and I'm interested. The genius from London was none other than a rabbi named Rabbi Moshe Sternbach, who is still alive today, and is one of the, he ended up being the rabbi of South Africa for, for decades. He came back, he's the head of the Eid Haredes, like the largest sort of... Uh, Jewish court, the Supreme Court in Jerusalem. He's still alive today. So the Chazanish, the last day that he was alive, from the last minutes he was alive, was busy being helping other people find Shaduchim. So even if a person has not yet been Zocha, a person has not yet merited to have their own children, a person, the, the, the Gemara does not say when you get to heaven they're going to ask you, did you have children? Because not everybody's able to. They're going to say to you, were you involved? in propagating the world. And how often is it that we can just spend a little bit of extra time thinking about people who are still single, who still want to get married, and trying to find them a proper shidduch? So today we're going to talk specifically and exclusively about the area of shidduchim, and again, whether you, you, could, you can always think of somebody. It never, ever hurts to try to say, what, you know, I know this person, I know that person. Like, it doesn't hurt. Like, why are we not more involved in trying to help people who are looking to find their match and their soulmate find their match and their soulmate? So I'm gonna we're gonna we're gonna learn about that today, and then I got a ton of stories, a ton of stories. You guys like stories? I got stories. Okay. So in this week's parsha, again, we said that Avram tells Eliezer, you're going to be my shachin, you're going to find me a good girl for my daughter, a good girl for my son. And Eliezer goes out, and Eliezer says, the girl that I find, and he makes a whole deal, he comes to the neighborhood from whence Avram came, because he's looking at somebody, he doesn't want a Canaanite girl, the Canaanite girls have bad midos, they have bad character traits. The most important thing to look for when you're looking for a guy or for a girl, for your daughter, for your son, the most important thing to look, bar none, is their character traits. Kindness. Do they get angry? How do they treat people on the street? How do they treat the waitress at the restaurant? These are, these are the most important things. Everything else is not important, comparatively. 
So Eliezer goes out, he says, I got to find a nice girl. And he makes a deal with God. The deal he makes with God is, I'm going to stand here. Now, Eliezer was a full, able-bodied man. I'm going to stand here and I'm going to ask the girls who are coming out to fill their water jugs to go bring home water for their family. I'm going to ask the girls if I can have a drink. And the first one who says, not only will I give you a drink, but I'll give a drink to all your camels too. That's an incredible amount of kindness. That's the one who's going to be set up for my, for my master's son. That's the right shidduch. Again, what's he looking for? He's not looking for beauty. He's not looking for money. He's not looking for degrees. I don't need a PhD. Where did she go to school? We only date Ivy League in our family. <laughs> right? We don't know. Michigan or Michigan State? You know, Democrat or Republican? Who cares? I want to see, is this person kind or not? So that's the test that, that he sets up. And indeed, amazingly, right when he finishes making this deal with God, a girl shows up. And he goes over to this girl. Why does he go over to this girl? Because a miracle happened. When she showed up, the water in the well started coming up to greet her. Water always falls down with gravity. Here, the water came up to greet her, so he saw that she was a special girl, but that wasn't enough. Miracles are not enough. Again, you can be, I don't care if you're rich, PhDs, I don't care if miracles happen to you. That's not impressive. I care if you have good character traits. And he goes over to her and he asks her, and sure enough, she ends up saying, I'll, I'll give you to drink, I'll give all your animals to drink. Amazing. Eliezer comes back to the house of the family, the girl's family. They welcome him in. Of course, he came with ten camels laden with gold, silver, and jewels. Anybody would welcome him, welcome him in. But in any case, Lavan and Basuel, Lavan is her brother, Basuel is her father, and Mrs. Basuel, whose name we don't see, but the mother who is described, they invite Eliezer back, and Eliezer describes to the family, before they, they say, here, have, have some dinner. He says, before I have dinner, I've got to talk. I got a job. I'm, I'm a man on a mission. Dinner can wait. I want to tell you about what happened. I made a deal with God, and I said, the first girl that comes out, and lo and behold, as soon as I finished saying that, your daughter came out, and I asked her, can I have something to drink? And she said, not only did she say, I'll give you to drink, she said, I'll give all your camels to drink. Amazing. Vayan Basuel, Lavan Ubasuel, and Lavan, the son. Ubasuel and the daughter, right? Here's key number one, by the way. Rivka might have had good character traits. The family, not so much. Vaya'an Lavan Ubasuel. And Lavan and Basuel answered. Who's Lavan? The son. Who's Basuel? The father. In what order do they answer? The son calling out in front of his father. Big no no. If you see that, that's, 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 that's not good Midos. Amazingly, Rivka had good Midos despite growing up in an environment not like that. Okay? So, Lavan and Basuel answer. Vayomru and they said. This matter came from God. This shidduch must be from Hashem. How else could it be? That you come and you say, the, the, the girl, the first girl who I asked for some water, and she's going to use these magical words, not only will I give you water to drink, which, by the way, a normal girl would say, get yourself water. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I'm an 11-year-old girl trying to haul home, or a 10, or 5, or 7, whatever it was. I'm a little girl trying to haul home some water for my family, you're a grown man, dude. Get down and get yourself some water. That would have been a normal, normal response. But not only that, she says the magic words, I'll feed you and I'll give all your camels too. So, Mashem Yatsadavar says the Gemara in Moed Katan. Dathyur Ches Amad Beis, page 18b. It's Isa, it's found in the Torah, in the From the Torah we see it and from the prophets we see it, and from the writings we see it, Me'ashem Isha Le'ish. 
from Hashem is the woman that will go to the man. Hashem determines Shiduchim. Where do we see it in the Torah? Even Lavan and Basuel, who were not exactly the biggest, like most religious people, when they see the Shidduch that happens between Rivka and, and, and Yitzchak, the way it all came about, they, they, they're, not, they're not people who normally say, oh, Baruch Hashem and Mirta Hashem. They're not people who usually talk about God much, but when they see what happened, they're like, wow, this is from Hashem. Minanavim. From the Nevi'im, it says in Shoftim, Lo yadu ki me'ashemhi. They didn't know that, it's talking about a union of two people, that it was from Hashem, in Aksuvim. And in, 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 in the writings, it says in the book of Proverbs, chapter 19, verse 14, Hashem isha maskelas. And it's from Hashem. The wisdom of putting the right woman together. So the question you want to ask is, why exactly does God put such a special emphasis on Shaduchim? God is involved in everything in the world. God determines how much money we have in our bank account. God determines how young we're going to be when we first start going bald. God determines what color eyes we're going to have. I mean, that's also determined by genes, but when you have a person who's got the right gene mix-up, right? When a person has the blue-brown, blue-recessive, you know what I'm talking about? Like, the mother has blue and brown, and the father has, because if the father has blue, which I have blue-blue, my wife has brown, right? So she could either have brown-blue, in which case one quarter of my kids at least should have blue eyes, but none of my kids have blue eyes. So, but all my daughters and sons now have blue-brown genes. So you, obviously you need the right makeup, but then once they get married to somebody who may have blue eyes, the, the decision whether their kids will have blue or brown, that's a very long way of me saying God determines eye color, but only if the genes are there. Okay. Anyway, but God determines everything. He determines if God forbid someone's going to get sick, what kind of illness they're going to have. Most people think that Lou Gehrig's mom decided what kind of illness he was going to have because she named him Lou Gehrig. That's not really how it went down. God decided. Okay? Everything is decided by God. So why is the Gemara saying specifically when it comes to Shaduchim, the the area of marriages and matches, do we say that? We also see the same type of language in the Medrash Sachar Tov. In the Medrash Sachar Tov, chapter 59, it says, See how difficult is Shiduchim, putting the right people together. Because from the Torah, and from the Nevi'im, and from the Kesuvim, from the Torah, from the, from the writings, and from the, from the prophets, they all show you that HaKadosh Baruch Hu does it, and they use the same verses. So why is it specifically when it comes to Shiduchim? Now, by the way, let, let's think about it like this. There's now 8 billion people in the world. Okay? Everyone has one person that's right for them. One. Now, of course, let's take out the, the gender that's not the right gender for you. And so now you have four billion people. It's only one of them that's right for you. Oh, I'm going to say people who are 20 years older than you are probably not right for you. Oh, they're in Hollywood. But okay, fine. Um, so, but figure, there's got to be, even, even if you want to say down to the Jewish world, there's 13 million Jews in the world. If you're a Jewish girl at the age of 19 or 20 looking to date, there's probably, of your right age and the possibility that you'll be, you know I'm saying, like, there's 200, 300,000 guys that, maybe half a million guys that might be right for you. But only one of them is the right one for you. What are the chances that you're going to find that one? What are the chances that you're going to find that one? 
speaking of which, let me just tell you an amazing story, because we're talking about how Hashem specifically is involved in making Shidduchim. There was a boy who was a wonderful boy, sweet, good, learned, kind. But his face was terribly disfigured. He had massive scarring on his face. And he would go out with women, and even though he was such a good boy, they, they just couldn't get around it. His face was like really hideously disfigured by scars. After years of dating, he went in great frustration to Rav Chaim Kanievsky. The great rabbi who lived in Israel passed away about a year ago. And he poured out his heart. He said, Rebbe, what do you... I don't know what to do. I've been dating for so long. And I know that I'm a nice guy. I care. I, I, I learn. I, I do the right things. But I've got this face. And every time I go out with people, they just, they just say no to me. Rav Chaim Kanievsky looks at him and says, The next person that you go out with, tell her how you got this face. That's all he said. The next person you go out with, tell her how you got this face. Okay. The boy says, thank you. Rabbi Chaim Kanevsky wishes him well. He goes home. A few weeks later, he's set up on a date. It's already, he's already been dating for a few years. The dates are they're starting to get a little bit more time in between dates. The lag is starting to get longer. So he goes out with this girl, and he's sitting with her, and he sees the same look in her eyes that he sees in every girl. Like, this guy's a nice guy and all, but I can't, I can't do that. So he says to her, look, I, he says, I never tell anybody this. I never tell anybody this, but Chaim Kanievsky told me, I went to him, and he told me that the next girl that I date, I have to tell her how I got this face. She says, no, no, don't worry, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> of course, it's not okay. I, we know, it's not okay, but all right. He says, he says, she says, no, no, it's okay, you don't have to tell me, don't worry, it's fine. He says, no, no, I, I understand, and I really, I, I never tell us the girls on dates, but Rav Chaim Kanievsky told me that the next girl that I date, I need to tell her the story. So here's the story. About 15 years ago, I was living in the old city. And one day, I was coming home to my house, to my apartment, and I see three Arab youth attacking a Jewish girl. And one of them was wielding a knife. And these three Arab youth were greatly larger than me and and bigger than me, and I was only one. But I saw they were attacking this Jewish girl, and I ran at them. I started screaming, and I ran at them. And they turned on me, and they started fighting, and I was fighting, and eventually people came, but in the process, they slashed my whole face up. As the guy is telling this, the girl bursts out in tears. And she says, that girl was me. That girl was me. And of course, they got married. That face would have been her face, if not for his bravery and his willingness to run into a situation that was never going to end well for him. (laughs) Think about that, ladies and gentlemen. What are the chances of the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of girls and boys? And Rav Chaim Kanievsky says specifically, tell the next girl you go out with. 
He could have dated her three years earlier and not have told her the story and it would be too late. But no. It's exactly at the right time that Hashem intended. He was supposed to wait. He was not supposed to get married. He was supposed to go through, for whatever reason, the trouble of dating and dating and knowing that girls are saying no to him because his face is disfigured. But he had to go through that for whatever reason and she had to go through the suffering. How long was she dating and she didn't find her right person? And they finally meet when he's, what, 28 and she's 25, 26? I don't know the exact age when they finally meet. They were supposed to go through that. But think about that. The fact that he was going to tell this one girl the story and it ends up being the girl that he saved. <laughs> Unbelievable. Hashem runs Shaduchim. So why is this? Why is this that God runs this department, so to speak? More so than the other departments. Rav Michal Yehuda Lefkowitz, one of the great sages from Mary Yisrael, first of all, the Maharal. Let's, before we go to, let's go to the Maharal, the Maharal of Prague. The Maharal of Prague says, anybody finding their right match is an absolute miracle. Like we said, what are the chances? How many stories do we have? Story after story after story after story, and we'll get to some. Of how these crazy, crazy coincidences happen. Because, again, when you think about the chances of it happening, what are the chances of you getting a job? Okay, if you're willing to work hard, and you, your chances are pretty high. Right? In a normal setting. In a normal setting. God doesn't like open, open miracles. If you work hard, and you're willing to work hard, in a normal setting, you should be able to get a job. There's plenty of jobs, plenty of people looking for good workers. Okay, so when someone gets a job, like, no way, you got a job? That's a miracle. You know, what are the chances that you're going to, uh, you know, find, buy, be able to buy a house? If you, when you get a good job and you, and you work hard, you should be able to buy a house. I mean, today it's almost a miracle. <laughs> the rising, you know, cost of houses, interest rates, but whatever. But I'm saying, like, those things are normal. No one says, oh, you bought a house? What a miracle! But that, that you found your bashert? Not just that you found a person to marry you. That you found your bashert? The one person who was destined for you? The one person who the Talmud tells us, 40 days before a child is formed, a heavenly voice comes out and says, this person is destined for this person? What are the chances of that? Infinitesimally small. For that, God needs to, God needs to get involved. The Maharal says... We can openly see that for somebody to find the person who's destined for them is literally, it, it is a miracle. So God needs to get more deeply involved. In other areas of the world, God has different messengers that God uses. What we call the mazelos, the kochavim and the mazelos, the different mazels, the different forces in the world, agricultural forces and weather forces and all kinds of things that in, interact with the world. But when it comes to shiduchim, the chance that you're going to find the one person who's destined for you out of the hundreds of thousands or millions of possibilities out there? So Hashem has to get involved. Furthermore, in in Rav Michal Yehuda Lefkowitz Shlita explains further there is 
there is so much when it comes to the Shiduchim where God hides himself. Like, God, we make corn, right? No one looks at corn and says, wow, that's such a miracle. Now, everyone should look at corn and say that's such a miracle. You should also look at wheat. You should also look at barley and mangoes, right? And for that matter, aardvarks and zebras, right? And we should look at everything all day long and just be like, wow, what a miracle. But we don't. Because they're pretty common. When it comes to Shaduchim, we often hear the stories. I'll tell you another story. So, I found this... Um, I was looking for Shaduchim stories. So there's a lady who's a Shadchan in Australia. Her, no, her name is Toby Leiter. She also is a dating coach, by the way. She seems to have a pretty cool system. So... There's a little bit of a short uh, advertisement for her. Look her up if you'd like. Shaduchim services for somebody you know. Anyway, how did she get her Shaduch? How did she get her? She, she, she told over a few stories. How did she get her Shaduch? What happened? Her husband was of age. And her husband's father said, You know, Yankala, you're of age now. you got to find yourself a wife. You got to go to the Shadchan. So there was a famous Shadchan in Crown Heights that this man, he did a phone interview. Yankala leader gave a phone interview with this famous Shadchan. And the Shadchan's writing down all the information, a little black book, you know, writing down all the information. And finally he says, okay, thank you so much. And he used to say, don't call me, I'll call you. But it wasn't. It wasn't in a bad way, just that sometimes people are a little insistent when it comes to Shaduchim. And you got to say, like, I got you. I'm thinking about you. No worries. I got you. Okay. So the Shadchan puts down the phone. A few moments later, the phone rings. And who is it? Rabbi Yossi Goldstein. The mother, the fa- sorry, the father of Toby Leader. And he says, oh, Shalom Aleichem, Shalom Aleichem, how are you doing? Great, 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 great. You know, I'm looking for a good boy, da 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 They start going through the details. <laughs> and the Shachan's like, wait a second, I think I might have somebody. They're literally phone call after phone call. And sure enough, they're now married happily, and she's a Shachan helping other people get married. What are the chances? <laughs> literally, you call me, I call you, you da 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 boom, boom, boom. So if Michal Yehuda Lefkowitz says, look, when it comes to Shidduchim, there is such a, a transparency about it. You see Hashem's in everything. Hashem's in corn and wheat, soybeans, wood. But when it comes to Shidduchim, you just see Hashem that much more. And that's why, says Rav Sternbach, who we just learned about how he got married, the Eli of London, the tall, thin guy in the corner of the room, who the Chazanish was worrying about the day that he died. Ramesh Sturmbach says, that's why we see so much detail in this whole story of Rivka and Eliezer in this week's Torah portion. The portion could have just said, and Avram asked Eliezer to find him a girl, and Eliezer came back and found a girl. But no. The reason why the Torah goes into so much detail in this story is to show you that a shidduch will happen 
when Hashem wants it to happen, and it won't happen when Hashem doesn't want it to happen. You could do everything in the world. When Hashem's not ready, it's not going to happen. And when Hashem is ready, the world will turn over itself to make a shidduch happen. So we should have that emuna. And the Torah goes through such length in describing this whole story of the shidduchim to give people emuna. Don't worry. <laughs> when the time is right, the world will come to you. So, this is why the Gemara says that Kasha Zivugo Shal Adam Kikriyas Yamsuf. The Gemara says in Tractate Sota, page 2, Folio 2, page 1, side 1, Sota Beis Amad Aleph. Now, the Shiduchim of a person are as difficult as the splitting of the sea. What does that mean? What does it mean that it's as difficult as as the splitting of the sea? It means that just like the Talmud tells us that at the sea, everyone saw the most amazing miracles. Even the simplest maidservants saw incredible miracles and incredible openness of Hashem. When it comes to Shiduchim, we can still see the miracles happening to this very day. Let me tell you another story. This story happens to... Toby Leader's daughter. Again, she's a Shadchan from Australia. So Toby Leader and her husband, they are Lubavitch, and a lot of times Lubavitch girls in the summer, or even during the year, go out on what's called shlichus, on, on assignments, so to speak, on work to go try to spread Yiddishkeit around the world. So her daughter had a summer vacation, and in that summer vacation, she actually, she was a very, very talented girl, and she was, had two different summer camp experiences. She was going to spend time in a camp in Holland, okay, helping educate the local Dutch kids. Why do they do that? Holland and Dutch, right? Why can't it just be the, to- the local Hollish kids? Whatever. <laughs> right? Why is that? What's up with the Dutch? Okay, fine. That's a different conversation for a different time. She could go help the, the Dutch kids learn about Torah and mitzvos, And then she had, so she was going to spend a, like maybe a month in that first camp, then she had a two-week break, and then she had another camp in Russia to help the Russian kids learn about Torah and mitzvos. Her camp is winding down, okay? Her camp is winding down in Holland, and she's like, wow, okay, i got to figure out what am I going to do now. I've got two weeks in between the two camps where I'm going to be the head counselor, she decides, you know what? Let me book a trip to Israel. Right? I'm right here. I'm in this part of the world. I'm from Australia. But now, I'm in Holland. Right? Let me go to Israel. So she books a trip to Israel. And she comes with nothing but a backpack. And, you know, like her, her denim skirt, like, you know, like the camp skirt that you wear every day for the entire camp. If you know, you know. Okay, fine. <laughs> she gets to Israel... And she goes to her uncle's house. Her uncle lives in the city of Lod, which happens to be right near the airport, and she's going to stay at her uncle's house. And she flies into Israel, and the first morning that she's there happens to be the bris of her uncle's first grandson. Right? Works out really well. She flies into Israel, and it's the first bris of her uncle's grandson. So she's there. Okay, great, amazing. 
few hours later, the phone rings in Australia. It's the uncle from Lode. What happened? One of the neighbors noticed this young woman at the bris. A little bit out of place because she's wearing a denim skirt and a backpack. But she seemed like a nice girl. And the wife engaged her in a little bit of conversation. And they thought it might be a good match for the son. The problem is the son doesn't speak any English. And this girl grew up in Australia. Okay, that's, that's surmountable. Let's give it a shot. They give it a shot. They go out. And on the last night of her two-week stay in Israel before she goes out to Russia to go be a head counselor in another camp, she's engaged. What are the chances, ladies and gentlemen? God is bursting out of the seams. God is everywhere. He's in the corn. He's in the wheat. But you see Him in the Shidduchim. And that's why it's difficult, like Kriyas Yamsuf. God, in general, does not like to make open miracles. When God made the miracle of Kriyas Yamsuf, the whole world knew about it. The whole world saw it. The whole world saw God's might. God likes to stay behind the surface. God likes to hide in nature. When God broke the sea, it wasn't difficult for him, like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? It was difficult because that's not how God does things. But in this case, he did it, and the world saw. And so too, when we see Shidduchim coming together, you're like, wow, there's a Lord in the, in, the, in the heavens. How else do these people find each other? Okay. And that's why we have to remember... You know, I, Baruch Hashem, had the merit to make five Shidduchim that are married today. I made one that got divorced. So that was a mistake. I mean, whatever. Was, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Not a good thing. But I, I, was, I married to make five Shidduchim that are Baruch Hashem still married today and having children. I, I check up on them once in a while. There's like this, there's like this rumor that, uh, that when you get to heaven, if you made three Shidduchim, you get a, a, a VIP pass. <laughs> I don't know that it's true, but by the way, if it is true, guys, start working on your VIP pass. I want to see you guys there. <laughs> and I also check up on them once in a while. I've got to make sure everyone's still okay, because if that is true, then I want to make sure that everyone's still good together. So, the um, now, Baruch Hashem, again, like I said, thank God I've had the opportunity to make five Shaduchim. I know people who have, first of all, myself, there are so many people that I set up that I put so much effort in, so much effort in, and nothing, nothing. And that's the amazing thing about Shaduchim. Like, you could put all this effort, you could put hours of phone calls back and forth. No, he really meant this. He said that. She said this. She's really looking for this. No, he's not really 47. He's just 42, but it says on his passport, 47. All, all that, you know... You know, they ask, actually, there's, there's a question. How is a shadchan allowed to take money? You're not supposed to take money for doing a mitzvah. So how is a shadchan allowed to take money for, a mitzvah, for, 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 for the mitzvah of helping people get married? The Rivan. The Rivan is an old, like, from the Rishonim, from the early commentators. The Rivan says, listen to this, so this is obviously, obviously nothing changed. The money that the shadchan takes is for the lies they have to say. <laughs> The mitzvah part you don't get paid for, but it's the lies you have to tell along the path to get to the should. No, she really no. She said she's fine with somebody who's five three, as long as he has shoes on. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so the money you're getting paid for is the lies you got to say. Um, so, I, so I'll tell you, like one, one there, there, there are so many times that you end up putting so much effort in, and, and it goes nowhere. And then there are the times that you put no effort, and it goes all the way. I think I've told the story before, but there was a woman who used to work in my school. I taught high school for eight years before moving to Detroit. I taught a, a, a school called Yeshiva Darche Torah in Farakway, or Bender Yeshiva, which is a massive, incredible institution, services thousands and thousands of people. There was a lady who used to work in the office. Her name was Mrs. Yavne. A very sweet lady. She was one of the secretaries in the high school. I worked in the high school. So I used to come into the office all the time to make photocopies, homework sheets, worksheets, whatever it was. She used to always say to me, Mr. B, that's what they used to call me back then, Mr. B, Mr. B, you got to find a good, a good Shayashiv boy for my daughter, right? Because I learned in yeshiva called Shayashiv. Mr. B, you got to find a good Shayashiv uh, boy for my daughter. And I would say, okay, you got it, Mrs. Yavna, thank you so much. What am I, I don't know her daughter from a hole in the wall. What am I supposed to be like? Uh, how, how in the world am I going to find a good shidduch for her, for her daughter? I have no, I've never met her daughter. I don't know. But yeah, you know, someone, you got to find it. Okay, yeah, sure. You know, it's like, it's like you're going to a wedding and someone says, listen, uh, t- send everybody my regards. <laughs> send everybody your regards? Do you want me to walk around at the wedding to everybody and say, by the way, Susan Friedman says hello. <laughs> I, know, I don't know if you know her or not, but she said just send everybody regards. So I'm just, I'm just doing what, I, what she asked of me. It's crazy, right? Send everybody regards. Find my daughter a good shidduch. Okay, fine. So, uh, yeah, yeah, Miss Yavna. Working on it still. WIP, work in progress. One day, I am in the office photocopying sheets. Or I come into the office photocopying sheets, and she sees me. And she says, oh my gosh, Mr. B, my daughter was just here. You wait right here. She runs out to the parking lot. Her daughter was just leaving. She schleps her daughter back into the office and makes one of those really awkward introductions. Mr. B, Mr. B, here's my daughter, Cyril. And Cyril, this is Mr. B. He's going to find you a nice Shagasha boy. <laughs> Woo! We're both supremely embarrassed, right? This is incredibly uncomfortable. And we're like, okay, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Thank you so much. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, fine. She gets out of there as fast as she, as she can. I bury myself in the, uh, in the, in the photocopy machine. <laughs> but I go back to Yeshiva that day, right? And I said, let's see, let's see what we can find. So I stand up in the middle of Second Seder. Second Seder is like, you know, Yeshiva, they have like the first Seder is from 9.30 till about 1, learning session. Second Seder is from like 3, 3.15, 3.30 till about 7. So I stand up and I literally, I, 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 I literally go like this. I, I walk, I turn around like a, like a Doppler radar, right? I'm just standing, I'm just, there's a huge base measure. There's got to be hundreds of people in there. And I'm just, walk, I'm just turning around slowly, looking at all the guys. And then I, on the second round, I stop on a young man, Joshua Farkowitz. I'm like, maybe. Let's give it a shot. So I make some phone calls, right? I call Mrs. Yavin. I said, first I come over to Joshua Farkowitz. I come over to him. I, get, I give him the resume, whatever, like, you know, the, the information about the girl. He looks into it. He says, okay, fine. I call up the mother. They... This was the easiest shotgun job I ever did. Like, they went out, they knew they were for each other before, I think before they got in the car. There's no work on my behalf. No, but she said this, but he said that. Boom! They went out, they were off to the races from date one, and Baruch Hashem, they're happily married now, living in Farakway with many wonderful, amazing children. The point is, 
When it comes to Shaduchim, it's the amount of effort you put in has got nothing to do with the results. You're supposed to put in your effort. That's all you do. Asakta Bapiriya Varivya. Were you involved in making the world fruitful and multiplying? Were you, did you think about other people who were single and try to say, who can I find for them? Did you spend the time? You have a requirement to do that. To help make the world a more connected and fruitful place by being involved in Shidduchim. You have a responsibility to do it. It doesn't make a difference. You're already married. You already have grandchildren. It doesn't make a difference. You're still, you still have that mitzvah. You can't be fruitful and multiply anymore. You're way past that age. But you can help other people. You could think about, who can we set up? This is work that God does. We know that specifically, again, it says that God is specifically involved in this work because when you see it actually happening, what are the chances? When you see the way Shidduchim happen, it's like unbelievable. That two people should meet. There's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of possible potential, you know, matches, and they find just the right one. That's clearly from God that this stuff happens. But you can be God's partner. But you can be God's partner in this work that He says, this is my domain, but I'd love to have you as a partner. So let's be involved, guys. Let's spend the time. Let's think deeply. Let's try to set people up doesn't take that much. It takes persistence. It takes a little bit of braveness, you know, boldness and some courage. But let's make this world fruitful and multiply. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for listening and thank you for being awesome. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.